0: Welcome to the Workplace Chameleon. I'm Dr. Selena. It's really good to have you here with me. In our name is a word that really consumes the majority of our adult lives, work. In an organizational setting, this is what we call that engagement of effort in exchange for pay, making a living. If you look it up though, As a noun, it's some sort of activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve some sort of purpose or results. We recognize it as it is that energy spent towards that goal. To be engaged as a verb in some sort of mental or physical activity to achieve a result. We know that this making a living Takes different kinds of effort and there's work behind it. Now, if you'd like to, you know, pick somebody in your life who hasn't maybe quite realized that and play this on repeat for them, feel free. But we know you got to do something. All right. So, why talk about that today? Because beyond a way to make a living, it can be work through a volunteer role, advocacy, support, caring for someone else. It is my work. Research also notes that it does other things for us, this process of how we spend our time, because it gives us a place to focus our energy, have some social contact. Note, that's changed in the last couple of years. It gives us the ability, whether it is in our communities, whether it's for an employer, whether it's for other kinds of organizations, some sort of collective effort and purpose, something bigger than ourselves. Depending on your cultural background and likely where you live, it has different influences on our social identity. There's been a bias long time recognized. And when I teach at the graduate level, we cover Some of those cultural differences between I am, I am a professor and I work for versus I work for and I'm a professor. I'm an engineer and I work for versus I'm an employee at and then I'm an engineer. How do we see it as part of our social identity? For some, that's important. For some, it is not important, but essentially some sort of work. A direction to put our effort that gives us a collective sense of purpose, some sort of contact with others, a way to focus our energy also gives us some regular activities. So if it was up to you just to wake up when you've ever felt like every morning and get to what you get to for your work, chances are you've come to appreciate some structure of what is that? timing look like for you to be able to get what you need to be able to do? You know, I I think about what our original thoughts were as we were growing up about work. What did you learn from the people you were around about what work was going to be like and how we would do this together? I remember running around doing work, and I put that in air quotes, for my father in his office or maybe babysitting neighbors' kids, or doing chores around the house. My dad's work as a pastor in congregations included visiting elderly and nursing homes. So that was my view of work. Getting called at all hours because someone was in crisis, that was what was taught to me about work. Preaching on Sunday mornings, that was work. And many times in our churches, someone would say, oh, you know, the minister really only works, you know, one hour on a Sunday morning. When I knew in my household, my dad was gone many times throughout the week for unexpected things that happen where he was needed. Some types of work like that I just described of his, maybe known as a calling or a profession or a discipline. Well, I formally started working as a CNA in a local nursing home at age 16, now at nearly 15. That puts it at about, you know, 28 years of working. I've been fascinated about what goes well and what goes wrong in this employment relationship. That is, as people come together in organizations of three people or 300 or 3,000 or more, how do we measure effectiveness? Because we run a business to produce or serve or care for, ideally solving a problem or fulfilling a need that a specific group of potential customers has of us. And regardless of size of organization or scope of work, our rules of incorporation in the U.S. that can also include profit or not-for-profit, we know that every business, every organization somehow has to cover its operating expenses. Well, what happens in that history? We come to work with a set of expectations of what this will be like. And then change happens. Work shifts. Strategies succeed or fail. Disruptions happen. People make good decisions and people are impacted. People make bad decisions and people are impacted. The reality is, and it may sound very redundant and very basic, but the reality is we're still human. People have egos, motives, goals, and it's been hard for me to understand, and yet that is the process of growing up, isn't it? That many times those egos, motives, and goals mean at the expense of others. Recently, I've been working on some research and some writing, conversations around the role of betrayal and forgiveness at work. Think about betrayal first. By definition, it's really something around breaking or violating some sort of contract. And in this case, it's usually some sort of unstated, unwritten, presumptive agreement about trust or confidence. And when it's broken, it produces some sort of moral or psychological conflict within a relationship. Could be between individuals, could be between organizations, could be between individuals and organizations. And maybe that's where I'm fascinated because organizations are simply made up of people and yet expand into something so much more than the sum of the individuals themselves. And when someone you trust breaks that trust by doing something that hurts you, this is damaging. Expectations are damaged. And we think of other words, deception, disloyalty, deception. I like that word so much, I think I just said it twice. All right. <laughs> we might say things like, I felt stabbed in the back. They double-crossed me. They sold me out. Or maybe it was more subtle or passive-aggressive or it was leaked. We recognize that betrayal is the opposite of of loyalty and faithfulness. So, in this psychological contract, that's not the employment arrangement, but there's a psychological contract that happens between an individual coming to work for an organization, and the organization says, "Here's what we we will offer you," and in return, the individual to contribute their work, to contribute the effort has some expectation psychologically about what will that relationship look like. So if you have experienced disloyalty, mistrust, some sort of act at your expense, a break in that contract, how would you describe it? And when this happens at work, what do you do? Do you stay? Do you leave? Do you stew about it? Do you tell someone? And the reality is, sometimes we don't feel like we have options other than to just persist. In the field of research, there are good reasons why we say employees are considered vulnerable populations. And the way you know this is, think about the last time if you've ever been asked to fill out an employee survey. Have you caught yourself asking who's going to read this? Or if I fill out this answer, who will read it? And will they know it's me? What does all this mean for us today? And why would I ask for a little bit of your time to share in this conversation with me? Why do we hesitate on that employee survey? Why do we not bring up something Because we know it's a good idea, but we're afraid and how it's going to be received. Why do we shy away from some people because of some hurt or mistrust or past practice? How do we set down these heavy weights, let go of those memories, and figure out how to move forward? For a number of years, we've tried to wrestle with this idea of forgiveness at work. And you can watch the pattern of research pop up for a while and then go away and then come back again and then kind of dwindle off. Because we're uncomfortable with the fact that, especially in U.S. business culture, there's a faith-based connotation to forgiveness, which regardless of your religious practices or your basis of faith, this alone isn't a faith-based conversation. It's a people-based conversation of how do we let something go? How do we set down that heavy weight and identify, can we get past this? Many times when I'm called in to work with a team or a person in crisis, it typically has something to do with a betrayal, a mistrust, something that happens. So now there are feelings about it that are creating emotions and responses. Hmm. So something I want you to consider. Think about your own example for today. The research seems to be sending us in two initial directions on this. Number one, could you consider the specific offense? Was there something? And how did you see it? How do you believe it affected you or something you care about? So one recommendation of the research is to go deep, to look at something specific and understand what it is that bothers you. Was it the action? Was it the deceit? Was it how you looked in the process? I know sometimes for me, my hot button goes off when something has been done that impacts my brand or reputation when it was something I didn't do. So you can go deep on something or you can pull back to what I'm going to call a bird's eye view or a drone's eye view and reflect maybe today on your own ideas around forgiveness. And where does that show up for you in workplace relationships? We can certainly look at the rest of life, too, but my focus is at the office or your workspace or whether you're on-site or remote, this is still all about relationships. And therefore, we have to be able to wrestle through not just conflict, because when conflict happens, it really is an at-odds moment over priority, alignment, something you cared about, something I cared about, There is a disagreement, a state of misalignment, but with betrayal or others, not that conflict isn't significant, but when the power is shifted, when you hold more power and you did something to me, does that look different? And I think that's an interesting space. We talk about resolving conflict at work, and we have all sorts of training and hours of tools and ways to have conversations, and how do we work through conflict, and how do we bring conflict to the surface so we can deal with it? And yet there's something else here, especially if there's a power differential or the impact of a betrayal that now creates an opportunity of, can I let it go? Can I forgive you? Can I see you as human, that you are fully capable of making bad decisions, mistakes, having an ego? And of course, people will make business decisions even to the best of their ability under the best of circumstances, and it can still have Many negative impacts on people. What we've seen grow out of the research is that when we can let it go, when we can set down that heavy weight of stewing about it, holding it with us, not letting it go, not forgiving, we're actually, as you can imagine, more productive. We're less absent. We are better mentally and physically. And if you consider a mindset of forgiveness, when you can let it go, when you can release it, you are less stressed. And we know that also a lack of forgiveness impacts teams and organizations. Holding on to that may lead to more damage and grudges, stress, negative emotions, anger. Yeah, carrying that grudge holds us back. When we consider the power of forgiveness, when we let go of that heavy weight, we regain some of that power. And while I won't quote it exactly because it it's so profound from Brene Brown, but it's very much around that power through, not power over, right power with. If you haven't seen that from her, go check it out. Yet when we reclaim some of that saying, I am not giving you this space in my head and I'm going to let it go because in I when I hang on to it, it keeps you in power. Beyond just feeling better, I now contribute better. I offer new ideas. I might share what I'm concerned about. I might ask for more help. And it's contagious. Think about this. When you feel better, you've worked on it. Other people around you will also likely have more positive responses, more collaboration with you, a better relationship with you because of how you've chosen to work through that. There are many, many things we can do to set expectations, model, and talk about how we work through stuff like this. How do we as leaders let go, set down heavy weights. And I'm one that says modeling it is not enough. We have to talk about it because some people simply won't pick up on the cues of our actions without specifically understanding what we're doing and why we're doing it. I'm absolutely convinced this world would be different if we all owned up and apologized sooner because when we don't, distrust grows. And we have to step in. We have to lean in. We have to participate in the healing. If we're ever going to let that weight go, honor the past, set it aside and look forward. Now, I am not saying bad behavior should be accepted or that we shouldn't deal with really serious stuff And yet here we are in this space, in this place of organizational challenge and organizational opportunity, of phases where some are phasing out from our history and new people are phasing in to our work history. I think we've got some amazing opportunity to really recognize how do we... Let go of stuff that is no longer serving us like rules and and boundaries that are no longer serving our customers, taking good care of people. Now, not all rules, right? But where are those spaces and places that we are held back by instead of learning to trust and rebuild and look forward? That is a pretty daunting task. Outside of our own sphere of influence, and so maybe maybe today's thoughts that I'm sharing with you uh, might be even a little more fragmented. But what is that? We're not going to solve everybody else. We're not going to solve all those challenges and hurts and hard hard stuff out there that, frankly, humans have not been kind to humans. But today, I'm going to ask you where what what is on your heavyweight. And what do you need to do to be able to set it down? What would that look like for you at work? Is it a relationship? Is it a past decision that you're still having a grudge over? Today, think about the specific. What is it about that that's still bothering you? Why will you continue to let it bother you? Or secondly, can you adopt a new mindset that welcomes forgiveness without expectations, without strings of what forgiveness means, other than it says to let it be in peace. That it was, it has been. And now you take that power back, not saying that it was okay to do, but saying you're choosing differently to move forward. So many people write about this, research this in our personal lives, in our relationships, outside of work. Today, I want you to consider it at work. What would that look like for you? And what would you be willing to share with me about it? You have been gracious enough to hang out with me, listen to me, share ideas with you, and I would love to hear from you. So this summer, in this next couple of months, depending on when you're listening to this, you can always reach out, but we've got a pretty big endeavor going on and putting more material together around hurts and just hard, hard stuff that happen at work and how we move through that. If you would be willing to share your story with me, you can leave the names of the guilty out if that's better, but I would love to hear from you. So please reach out to me directly, to our team here at the Peerman Group and the Workplace Chameleon, you can find me on the website, across our social media, drop me a note. I'll set up a call with you if that would be better. I would love to hear your story about your process of forgiveness. How is it working for you or where you held back? And I'd love to learn with and from you as well. We have some big challenges in our organization's And we need each of you doing the great work at your best potential. If there's anything I can do to help you see those heavy weights, set them down so you can move forward, it would be my honor to do so. Thank you for being here at the Workplace Chameleon with me, Dr. Selena. And I can't wait to share, to invite, and to talk with you again. Until next time, take care, be well, keep making a difference.